This episode contains brief mentions of mental health struggles and illnesses. If you find any of that content triggering, then this episode may not be for you. Please take care in listening. Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence-based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hey guys, welcome to Girlwise. A few years ago on my YouTube channel, which is coming back by the way, stay tuned, I made a video called What No One Tells You About Therapy. In that video, I discussed many issues and concerns with the insane cost of it, bad therapists versus good therapists, and the brave decision to begin therapy. I recently just started attending again after a 10-month hiatus and... I think I now have enough experience with both my own therapists and my family members' therapists that I can say whether or not it's worth it. Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much, and enjoy this episode. So, is therapy really worth it? I'm not going to drag it out. The answer is yes, but with an asterisk. As with everything, there are many things to consider. But before we delve any deeper into this topic, in order to make the best decision for ourselves, we have to get rid of the stigma of receiving help for our mental well-being. There are many misconceptions as to why someone should or shouldn't receive therapy, what it consists of, or what the point of it even is. Therapy is designed to help you learn about your own mental processes. It enables you to manage your emotions, create better habits, and alter your mindset so that your life begins to resemble what you desire. Science tells us that there are many perks to therapy. A complex process called neuroplasticity describes that the brain's neural pathways are changed through life experiences. This means that both positive and negative sensorial reinforcements can modify our brain's structure And we interpret a big part of this as mental health. So yes, your brain is physically changing with the things that are happening in your life. There are many different types of therapy. One of the most studied is called psychotherapy, where you work with a psychologist through problems and concerns. The APA, or American Psychological Association, describes psychotherapy as a collective treatment based on the relationship between an individual and a psychologist. Grounded in dialogue, it provides a supportive environment that allows you to talk openly with someone who's objective, neutral, and non-judgmental. You and your psychologist will work together to identify and change the thought and behavior patterns that are keeping you from feeling your best. End quote. So talk therapy has been proven to reduce levels of stress, anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide attempts, addiction, 
psychological distress due to terminal illness, phobias, panic disorders, bipolar disorder, relapse, psychiatric hospitalizations, amongst many more. The science cannot be denied. There have been countless studies over centuries to try to understand the mind and how its processes affect our actions and emotions. Almost all of modern psychology is based on these findings, and though there is still a lot of work left to do, we can take advantage of these findings now. And anyone can benefit from psychotherapy. Its purpose is to build emotional resilience so that you can deal with all of the emotions and turmoil that life brings. It doesn't matter if you're in crisis or completely happy and satisfied. It's for anyone and everyone. But if you have been feeling anxious, stressed, sad, lonely, or any encompassing emotions, it is one of the best ways to get through it. Getting help is a sign of resourcefulness, not weakness. Friends and family are a great way to find support through hard times, but a psychologist is an expert that can help you in ways that your close circle may not be able to. They have years of specialized education and are trained to help you resolve problems that arise in all walks of life. I personally come from a quite closed-minded family that thought that therapy was an invasion of privacy, that only crazy people went to it, or that it made you look like you couldn't handle yourself. Remember that crazy is not a diagnosis and that you're not a failure if you can't fix your car or your fridge, so you're certainly not a failure for not being able to fix something as complex as the mind. A thing that for hundreds of thousands of years, we have barely broken the surface on how it works. We know how cars and fridges work, and that's already complex enough. Like I mentioned, there are many different types of psychotherapy, and therapists usually focus on one or two of these. And all of these are going to be the definitions from the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance page. You can check it out, link in the description as always. We have one of the most popular ones, and you're probably going to see it everywhere when you're looking for a therapist, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT. CBT helps an individual recognize unhelpful thinking patterns and behaviors associated with those thoughts and encourages positive coping strategies. The therapist will work to help identify thoughts and beliefs that may be worsening symptoms and or contributing to poor life satisfaction. Once unhelpful thinking patterns are identified, work can begin to shift the behavioral responses to these thoughts. Through practice, individuals can learn to identify unhelpful thinking, change their behavioral responses, and implement healthy coping strategies to feel better. Another very popular one is DBT, or Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. DBT has been found to be very useful for individuals who feel emotions very intensely and therefore it has many skills focused on managing emotions more skillfully. DBT includes skills such as mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness, distress tolerance, and emotional regulation. Treatment with DBT often includes learning new skills in groups together with individual therapy to apply the skills for your own individual goals and situations. And it says here that DBT usually lasts between six months and a year. Another one that I think is kind of fancy and has been trending recently is EMDR or eye movement desensitization and processing and reprocessing. And it's defined as a type of therapy that was developed for the treatment of trauma, specifically working on traumatic memories. 
During this kind of therapy, the individual recalls challenging memories while focusing on an external stimulus. Focusing on the stimulus creates a lateral eye movement. The combination of processing these memories with the eye movement helps to input new coping skills or adaptive information that can help an individual better deal with a traumatic memory. The therapy is used for processing old memories and the distress it causes. It looks to positive coping mechanisms to support the individual after this therapeutic process. This kind of reminds me of like the cartoony hypnotic sessions where they make you look at the little swirl and they're like, it's okay. You are not afraid. (laughs) Another one is exposure therapy and it's exactly as it sounds. Exposure therapy was designed to help individuals process fears, phobias, and symptoms associated with social anxiety, panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, and PTSD. The concept works by having a clinician work together with an individual to gain exposure to their fears in a safe and structured way. Exposure therapy is often gradual, such that you start with exposure to smaller fears and build up to managing the biggest fears, or what is called flooding wherein the individual is exposed to their greatest and most challenging fear. When done safely and with a trusted therapist, emphasis on that, this therapy can help people feel less reactive to certain fears and provide them with the support needed to emotionally process the experiences. We also have family focused therapy, which was actually developed for children and adults that live with bipolar or schizophrenia, where you focus on the communication between the entire family interpersonal therapy, um, which is a form of therapy focusing on the work connections between interpersonal relationships and mood, meaning the relationships that you have with others. It's typically 12 to 16 weeks and was originally developed to treat depression, but it's also effective for eating disorders, dysthymia, which is a depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, and other mood disorders. And we have a fancier version of that or a more involved version of that which is interpersonal and social rhythm therapy or IPSRT Um, and that was developed specifically for the treatment of bipolar disorder and it helps people by focusing on their biological and social rhythms which is the circadian rhythm. The theory behind this type of therapy is that by helping individuals to regulate their body clocks they can better regulate and cope with their mood disorders, which I think was super cool. Like, these get so creative, and there is a type of therapy for absolutely any, everyone. It's not just the idea of sitting in a chair and just talking to someone or crying and then just asking repetitive questions. Like, these techniques are so involved and so developed that it can be, you can look for anything that can fit you. There's Art therapy, which is where you create art. Drama therapy, where you put on plays and you work through your emotions that way. Play therapy, which was meant for children, where they physically play. Dolphin therapy, equine therapy for with horses, dog cat therapy. There are so many options out there. And if you're not very comfortable with the idea of, you know, sitting in a, a daunting office uncomfortable chair or laying down on a sofa bed and then just pouring out your heart and soul to someone there is an option for absolutely everything there's text therapy online now again the options are endless at this point 
But deciding to take the first step can be one of the hardest things to do. Trust me, I've been there. Especially if you're not used to working on your mental health. For me, though I knew in my gut that I had to begin therapy, it was one of the scariest decisions I've ever had to make. But we have to remember that asking for help is the start of feeling better. Unfortunately, we kind of deny ourselves help until we're at a breaking point. When you're sitting down and you come to terms with the fact that you have to do something, something has to change, and you're really scared to make that decision, just know that this is the start of feeling better. Another thing that we have to keep in mind when we're starting therapy is that you must be ready to surrender to the process. It can be, again, if you're not used to communicating your feelings or just facing those emotional fears, it can be really difficult to let yourself feel the art of letting yourself actually feel the emotions instead of pushing them away can be very overwhelming at the beginning but you have to surrender yourself to what it takes to get better and I think that at the beginning like now after two years and three therapists it's a lot easier but at the beginning I didn't even know how to communicate my feelings I didn't even know how to process them enough to make words come out of my mouth to describe them and so I would just be sitting there my therapist would be like what do you think about this and I would be silent like no words would come out of my mouth whatever you need to do to get to that space is okay and it's valid and that can be really scary at times but it's okay it gets better and this leads me to my next point that the number one mistake that you can make is lying to your therapist. I often, I mean, it's human nature to not want to admit your biggest faults. And whenever I have the urge to be like, no, 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 it's not really like this because I'm, you know, there's a lot of shame and guilt for these complex emotions that we're feeling. But every time I get the urge to lie or maybe, you know, cover up something that I'm feeling, or some thoughts that I've had, for example, I always remember that, number one, these things are expensive. Having a therapist or a therapy session is not cheap, and I do not want to waste my money away. You know, this is purposeful. This is a safe space. It's confidential, or at least it definitely should be, and I'm doing this to help myself and I definitely don't want to throw my money away it does nothing but hurt me and the process again to lie to these people because it completely defeats the purpose of this now sometimes you are going to get scared and it does take a little bit of practice to be able to not just be truthful or honest with you know, the other person, but to yourself as well. Sometimes admitting the truth to yourself can be really difficult. But if you can't avoid it, please do not lie to your therapist because this is the one person that won't judge you for it, or at least they shouldn't. We're going to get into that in a second. And um, they are not going to tell anybody and that they want you to tell them these things. They are looking for you to say the things that you're not going to say to anyone else that is their purpose. So please, do not lie to your therapist. And another thing that you should have in mind if you're starting on this mental health journey is that mental healthiness is an ongoing goal. It is not something you master. 
it is something you curate. Life's problems are always going to be coming in and there is always something new that you're going to have to emotionally process. Now, that doesn't mean that you are going to have to go to therapy every single day for the rest of your life. I'm also going to mention that breaks in a few moments, but to be perfectly mentally healthy is, first of all, not a realistic goal because that is quite literally impossible. And you always have to just keep it in check. Just how you have to keep your physical health in check. It's not something that you can achieve peak physical healthiness. It's something that you always have to work out. You have to eat right. You have to exercise, drink water, sleep. All of those things also apply to mental health. It's not something that you achieve once and then you're good for the rest of your life. You're good to go. It's something that you always have to focus on. And so, you know, when you're starting a process of looking or considering therapy, know that there are many goals that you can reach, but pure mental healthiness that is going to stick with you for the rest of your life is not realistic. And so we go on to how to choose therapist, which can be a whole other episode on its own. And if you guys want me to take you through that, like how to choose a doctor, let me know. I will do an entire episode. But in order to not make this episode too long, here are some important questions to ask yourself before so that you know what you're looking for when you're researching their qualifications. The number one thing is what are you looking to gain from it? What are your personal goals? Like we said, what are you looking to gain from it? Is it to reduce stress by learning how to uh, cope with stressful situations? Are you looking to not be incredibly anxious all the time? Do you have maybe a social phobia? Uh, maybe you're really, really um, sad all the time and you're having prolonged periods where you're not taking care of yourself. What are the actual things that are preventing you from living the best life that you can right now emotionally that you think that you can work towards. I think that's a pretty impressive step if you can take, but if all you know is that you don't feel well and you want to feel better, that's already a goal in and of itself. The next one is a really big one that unfortunately comes with the world of therapy, which is what are your financial possibilities at the moment? There are a lot of um, different types of therapy. I think text therapy is one of the cheapest ones. There are apps, there are mental health apps that can connect you with a text therapist that are, I think, around $30 a month. I could be mistaken, but there are some, I mean, that's probably a, the cheapest that you're going to get. And then there are you know, a lot more expensive. I mean, it just keeps going. You know, the really fancy therapies like the rapid eye movement therapy is probably a bit more expensive. Um, there's also hypnotherapy, which I forgot to mention. All of those are probably a bit more expensive because you do have to go in person. Um, maybe you can look up in your local area if there's any public health services. You know, you have to realize what are your financial possibilities at the moment because therapy is something that is unfortunately a bit expensive. The next one is where are you in your mental health journey right now? I think just knowing what kind of person you need to help you navigate this path that you're on. You know, if you're 
in full-on crisis mode and you need emergency services, there are emergency services that you can get immediately so that you don't have to wait for an appointment. Maybe you're doing a little bit better and you don't really need that right now, but you do need something, you know, that's quite intensive. Or maybe you're just cruising along and you're thinking that a good therapist might be able to help you, but you're, you know, not really in immediate necessity of it. So that's also very important. And the last one is to ask yourself, what kind of person are you looking for? I think it's completely valid to know if you want a female or a male therapist, if you want someone that's older or younger, if you want someone, you know, that shares beliefs, that shares your beliefs. You can do spiritual beliefs. You can do religious beliefs. You can do, you know, morals and ethics. Um, That to me is actually super important because I actually left my first therapist because um, she was, unfortunately, she had a, a bit of internalized misogyny that was beginning to be projected on me. And I was like, no, 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 no. I... I I don't think this is a good match. So that's why I I left my first therapist and that is completely valid. You know, you want someone that is going to help you progress, not try to convince you otherwise. And so I think the best piece of advice that I can give someone that is considering therapy is to research, research, research. This is one of the most crucial points that predicts the success rate of your therapy. You really want to read what their qualifications are, what kind of therapy they do, like the ones that I just mentioned, um, what kind of people they treat, what kind of problems do they regularly see that they are good with, the reviews that they have from people, maybe someone you know has actually gone to them. All of these things are extremely important. Where they went to school, what courses they've taken, because all of these things will make a difference in your treatment. If you're taking therapy online or if you're going to a therapy clinic where they can match you with a therapist, they will give you a whole bunch of questions so that they can match you with the best match that they possibly can give you. But if you're not, if you're looking by yourself, do your research so that you know what kind of person you want treating you because this person is going to know, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets and thoughts inside out. So you want someone that you are going to fully trust and someone that can actually help you. There was, unfortunately, my last therapist, as I said, I've gone through three. The middle one was definitely, unfortunately, not qualified for the things that I was dealing with at the time. And, you know, unfortunately, she was not professional enough to recognize that she couldn't help me and instead ended up ghosting me. But I digress. That is terrible. That is that is a huge red flag. If your therapist is ghosting you, not responding to you, and then after telling you that, you know, you can send them messages if you need to and then they don't respond, that is a huge red flag. Please leave that person. They are unprofessional and that is unethical. But research, 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 it can save you a lot of problems. And I think the number one thing that happens with therapy and why people get so discouraged from trying it is that they're not matched with the right therapist and they get super disappointed by the sessions and they never try it again because it just seems too intimidating and they're expecting the same result. We've gone off a little bit of topic. 
Uh, I also want to say that you should remember your boundaries and trust your gut. This is really tricky because, as I said, the most difficult part of the process is finding the right therapist. And I like to describe it as kind of dating to find the one. Now, this may be easier said than done because it's a catch-22 situation. If you're feeling unwell mentally, then you might find it difficult to stand up for yourself when the person you're wholeheartedly trusting to help you is doing things that are making you uncomfortable. But also, you know that at one point you must open up and trust the person if you want things to change. So this one is very, very tricky. Unfortunately, it is more likely that someone that is maybe not feeling mentally their best can be taken advantage of. And so it's difficult to be able to discern when you're in that headspace what your boundaries are or to reinforce them because you're feeling extremely vulnerable right now. And, you know, society is telling you that this person is a safe person. But, you know, therapists are human beings too and they can make mistakes and they can say some things that are you know, not very professional, or they can start imposing their own insecurities on you, or, you know, there's an entire array of things that can happen, which are not how therapists are supposed to work, but because, you know, they're humans, and this is the life that we were given, sometimes those things may happen. Like, yes, I can tell you to reinforce your boundaries, know that if someone is making you Um, If someone is disrespecting you, if someone is like insulting you, if someone is being physically inappropriate with you, all of those things, it is important to say no. But if you're feeling terrible, it can feel almost impossible to do those things. And so I think the number one thing that I can tell you is that trust your gut. You have to trust your gut. If you can't trust anything else, trust your gut. If you can feel like in your heart of hearts, that this isn't right, something is wrong, please just leave and try to find someone else. These situations can get very tricky. And though I do want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and tell you that there are great therapists out there because there definitely are, there are also bad people out there and not everyone is going to have, you know, the most professional and ethically and morally right conduct. So, please keep that in mind. Listen to your gut, okay? It's okay to say no. It's okay to leave the session. It's okay to never talk to them again. But please do not give up on yourself because of one bad experience. Like with anything that is worth fighting for, it takes work, courage, and persistence. And if you didn't like your therapist, it is completely okay to change them. Like, you do not owe anyone anything. Um, a huge point that I want to make, especially with girls, is that your therapist's feelings, thoughts, and opinions have nothing to do with you. You know, their judgments, their opinions, whether or not they can handle the information, all of that is on them. Please do not internalize anything. This is a place for you to be free and to not think twice about how they're feeling because that is not your place. I also want to briefly mention medicines. Now, medicines and therapy are meant to go together. There is much research that combining medication and psychotherapy is the best possible treatment for depression, anxiety, and eating disorders amongst many others. So, you don't have to feel like you have to choose between one or the other. 
they are both fine and if the professionals are telling you that you would probably benefit the best from both you know really take that into consideration and the last point that I want to make uh, as a pro to therapy is that just because therapy isn't for you right now doesn't mean that it will never be. If you feel like you need to take a break from therapy because you've tried a lot of therapists and you feel like you're emotionally burnt out, if you unfortunately can't afford it right now for whatever reason, uh, if you feel like you don't have too much time on your hands, which definitely should be a priority, but if for whatever reason it is just not a viable option right now, that is okay, but don't write it off forever. You know, it's okay to take a break. As I said, I took a break for 10 months because unfortunately my therapist ghosted me. Um, it was also like a huge financial burden on me and it was actually starting to do the opposite where I wasn't, it wasn't a place of comfort and security anymore. Instead, it was a place of financial worry and stress. And also, I actually, because I was already starting to feel like this therapist and I were just not on the same page, it started to feel, again, I was like wondering what she was thinking and if she didn't like me for whatever reason and all of these things. And so, it started becoming um, emotionally draining instead of emotionally healing. And so I took a break for about around 10 months and I actually felt better. And in the last two months, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm ready to try this again. I'm going to look for a therapist that matches all my qualifications now because I've tried it. I know what I want now. I know what I'm looking for. And it's been great. It's been absolutely amazing. I'm, I already am starting to feel so much better. But, you know, I think that break was very necessary for me to kind of reevaluate what I wanted in a therapist, what my financial possibilities are, and why I wanted to go to therapy in the first place. So yeah, I hope all of those things, you know, all made sense. But now we're going to get into the cons because though all of these things are great, there is never a one-fits-all solution. For many, myself included, as I mentioned, the cost of therapy can be a big contender in whether or not to begin. I mean, I used to think that therapy was for rich people who have rich people problems because it used to be a luxury. But as mental health movements have made things easier and less stigmatized in the last 20 years, thankfully, it has become more accessible. Regardless, it can still have a significant economic impact, depending on where you're from. Where I live, access to a therapist from the public health care system is super difficult to get. The sessions are usually only given to people who have serious mental health concerns, and they're very far away from where I live. If you want to take the private route, then paying for a therapy session on a weekly basis can add up very quickly. Thankfully, there are now more options than ever thanks to the internet. As a conclusion, you deserve to be listened to, vouched for, and understood. As we discussed, mental health is very real, and we have science to back that up. One of my favorite things about therapy is that you feel like you have someone in your corner. You have that person who is there for you and you only when it comes to your problems. It's almost like having real life access to the angel on your shoulder. You know, like the devil and angel on your shoulders. 
except that you can physically see them and schedule them. At the end of the day, I can't tell you what to do or what decision to make. This is a very, very personal and vulnerable choice that you have to take all of these factors that I've mentioned into consideration. All I can say is that from experience, you should take your mental health seriously because mental illness can and will take everything away from you. So whatever tools you use should be a priority. Hang in there and take care of yourselves because you deserve it. And with that, we come to Ask Me Anything, the ending segment of the podcast where you can ask me anything. Today's question comes from Alyssa and she asks, do you like Taylor Swift? If so, have you gone to the Eras tour? So yes, I do like Taylor Swift. She actually performed in Mexico City literally a couple of days ago, like four days ago. And uh, you guys, I don't, it gets wild. She performed the last night of Mexico City that she performed was the day before my birthday. And I was like praying and manifesting to the universe where I was like, universe, please, I know that you can give me Taylor Swift tickets. I know that you can. And so I was just like, you know, doing my little manifestations. But unfortunately, the day came and I had to watch it live on a live stream. And while I was watching it live on this live stream, my sister was talking to our friends and, she, you know, she was letting them know that she was super disappointed that she wasn't able to secure tickets. And one of her friends, you guys, <laughs> one of her friends was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you liked Taylor Swift. I had pit tickets that I was trying to give away, but I couldn't find anyone that wanted them. <laughs> Free Taylor Swift Eras Tour pit tickets. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, it is, you know, my brain was trying to wrap itself around that. The fact, uh, I can't, I have no words. I have no words. The point is, he didn't even give the ticket to anyone. He still had it. Oh my. Anyways, as a consolation to myself and to my sister, I was like, you know what? I was asking the universe so much that I feel like it was on purpose that I didn't receive this ticket. Oh, it was a single ticket as well. So, unfortunately, we would have had to decide between my sister and I who would have went, gone, and then going by yourself. And so, Mexico City can be, you know, very scary, especially if you're going to such a massive concert where there's going to be so many people. And so, it would have been this whole ordeal. Would we have made it happen? Absolutely. We would have figured it out because that's freaking free Taylor Swift tickets. But, you know, it just, it feels so it felt like it wasn't a coincidence that I got the tickets after the concert had already happened. You know, it, I just, I feel like it's meant to be, we are going to go, but you know, we won't have to go alone. We won't have to choose which one of us can go. And so, you know, I, I'm going to see the Eras tour. It just wasn't my time right now. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. So yeah, that that's my rant about these freaking tickets and the Eras tour and I'm still waiting to go and I will go and it will be great 
it just it just wasn't my time right now so thank you so much for listening don't forget to write review and follow the podcast um i am so 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 grateful to all of you i hope that you learned something in this episode and let me know what kind of other topics you want to hear from me and i will see you in the next episode goodbye